This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Candice Lib, and you're listening to ICYMI, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. I was so happy to see Victoria Monet win three Grammys this week. If you have been there since the Monopoly days, the Jaguar EP days, this felt good. And Trevor Noah did not flop as a host, which makes me wonder if the Grammys were like the best award show of the year so far. I mean... I don't know if the Oscars can beat it unless Ryan Gosling gets on that stage to sing I'm Just Ken with like a special appearance by Nick Jonas or something. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel, make it happen. So if you've been on TikTok lately, you might have noticed that it's kind of quiet over there. And that's because on January 31st, Universal Music Group's contract with TikTok expired. So on February 1st, UMG started pulling their catalog from the platform. And this includes songs from people like Taylor Swift, Drake. Olivia Rodrigo, along with smaller artists who were hoping to use TikTok to get their big break. And it just makes the TikTok experience awkward and annoying because you'll go to like an Olivia Rodrigo TikTok and it's her lip syncing to perhaps her own song, but you don't know because the audio is muted. And then you click on the little sound tag and it says, this sound isn't available or sound removed due to copyright restrictions. And this is one thing for artists, but TikTok creators are also going through their backlog and seeing some of their most viral posts just become them awkwardly dancing with no backing track. Now, TikTok creators have been trying to get around this by using sped up versions of their favorite songs, using cheesy copyright free music, or backing their fan edits with like the iPhone alarm. And this brings up a lot of questions like, How valuable is music to TikTok? Is UMG really serving their artists' best interests? And what will we soundtrack our corporate girly morning routines to? On today's show, we're breaking down the fight between UMG and TikTok. And I'll do that with culture critic and reporter Serena Turos after the break. Hey there, listeners. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturdays when we interviewed the one, the only, Paloma Diamond. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Joining me today is culture critic and reporter Serena Turos. Hello, Serena. Hey, Candace. Always a delight. Ugh. I love seeing you. And Serena, we are talking mere days after the Grammys. And while that celebration was going on, there has been this huge kerfuffle going on between Universal Music Group and TikTok. And so, Serena, could you give us a rundown of what's been happening with UMG and TikTok? Yeah, basically, all social media platforms and streaming companies need to broker some sort of license with these record labels in order to host and or play their music. And so that looks a little different for your Spotify's and your Apple Music's of the world than it does for your Facebook Meta, your Instagram, your TikTok of the world. But if you hear a song playing on TikTok, somebody needs to be paying money for that song. And so what happened was UMG's deal with TikTok was set to expire January 31st of 2024. They kind of broke down in agreements of negotiating the next license deal and each side has a different take on why that was, but essentially because they didn't reach a deal by the end of January 31st, UMG has removed their recorded music from TikTok as of right now, which is today, February 7th. Yeah, and to give an idea of like whose music is being taken down, UMG artists include Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, Bad Bunny, SZA, Harry Styles. These are big, big artists who I would say get a lot of play on TikTok because people make fan edits and get ready with me videos using their sounds. But this also affects like smaller emerging artists, right? Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit. There is a difference between recording copyright and publishing copyright. And so recording copyright, also known as a master. So when you hear Taylor Swift talk about owning her masters, she wants to own the copyright of her recorded music, which is why she has re-recorded all of these Taylor's versions albums. And so that is literally just like somebody hit record when people were playing their instruments. That's the song recording that you can play over and over. So that's mostly owned by the record labels, sometimes, occasionally, more often now, the artist. Publishing copyright is for the copyright of the lyrics, the written song, like if it was a score to like a movie or something, the score would be publishing copyright. And that's normally owned by two big publishing companies called ASCAP and BMI. But sometimes it's also owned by record labels. And so here, like when we're thinking about like whose music is getting removed from TikTok, it's people who signed recording deals with UMG. So like Lord, Drake, Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, Rihanna. But then some artists also have their publishing with UMG, even though they're not signed to UMG. So like Harry Styles and Adele. And so right now, UMG is saying it's only taking off the recorded music, but it is kind of threatening, like if things break down even further, they might be pulling publishing too, which affects artists who are not on their label. So it's all very like technical and petty. I think as a user on TikTok, these distinctions won't really matter to you. You're just going to be upset that your favorite artist is not there anymore. Yeah. And it's so interesting to 
read the statements that UMG and TikTok have put out because they frame different villains here. You know, UMG put out a statement first on January 30th. They said they've been trying to meet TikTok at the table and they were prioritizing three issues. This is in UMG's words, quote, appropriate compensation for our artists and songwriters, protecting human artists from the harmful effects of AI and online safety for TikTok's users. And UMG said that TikTok met them with like indifference and intimidation, which is quite strong language. And so I wanted to ask, what do you think about UMG's asks here? Like, are they reasonable? Do you believe that's actually what they're looking for? UMG did use the word bully. They said TikTok is like bullying them. And I, my first reaction was like, UMG, you are throwing stones from a glass house. (laughs) Like, I don't think there is a good guy in the fight between UMG and TikTok. I think there is a clear loser, which is the artists and also fans of music. But I really do want to center the artists in these conversations because like UMG is not some sort of benevolent overlord here. Like they own a huge chunk of the music industry. They are the biggest music company in the world, full stop, not just the US. In terms of like the sales of recorded music and, you know, streaming royalties and all of that in the whole world, they own 32%. For perspective, the other two biggest major labels left other than UMG, which are Sony and Warner Music, UMG is twice the size of Warner in terms of revenue. Warner's only at 16%. And all three of these major labels, like, again, three labels out of an ecosystem of hundreds, make up for 69% of the music revenue of recorded music as of 2020. So, like, UMG is not the little guy here. And honestly, they owe a lot of money to their artists, too. I think them framing this as, like, a fight against AI or, you know, this perfectly timed idea of, like, defending their artists against deepfakes after we saw the really gross, awful way that people have made deepfake nudes of Taylor Swift, which is yeah. also a thing that's been happening to regular people as well. I think this is a smart marketing tactic, but I don't think it's really addressing the heart of the problem, which is just that like musicians are not making a living wage off of music. And that is a consequence of both like, you know, streaming services payouts and maybe TikTok, but the person who shepherds those deals is UMG. So I'm in favor of them for asking for more music, but I'm also like, okay, but where is that money going to go if UMG gets that money back? Is that going to go to the artists or is that going to go to the C-suite and the shareholders? Exactly. Because something that I'd also like to point out is that on January 12th, UMG announced that they are doing layoffs and they are laying off hundreds of people in their organization. And so money obviously seems to be a problem here. Money is always the motivator, especially for these big conglomerates. But I want to talk about TikTok really quickly. You know, they put out this really short statement. It is four sentences. (laughs) And they said that UMG has, quote, put their own greed above, end quote, the interests of UMG's artists and songwriters, because TikTok, in their own words, is a free promotional and discovery vehicle for their talent. So what is your take on TikTok's statement? And like, who exactly do you think are the real villains here? Because to me, this seems to be like lose-lose for anyone involved. Is anyone benefiting from this? As a freelance writer, I've heard this statement before. You know, everybody knows about the idea of getting paid in exposure, which, Mm. you know, exposure does not pay the rent. It doesn't put 
food on the table. So not impressed with TikTok statement is my first takeaway. There's an interesting case study um, we can look back on in 2008. Warner Music Group, which is, again, one of the other two major labels aside from UMG, removed all of the official videos of its recording artists from YouTube because they also got into a tiff over their licensing deal. And I think they only held out for about a year. They were losing money. It turns out they spent about $2 million on marketing and negotiations, and they didn't end up winning everything. The the music went back online. Nothing seemed to have changed. And so I think at the end of the day, I think UMG is going to be a loser here. Yeah. I don't think that you know, a TikTok user is going to be mad at TikTok. I think they're going to be mad at UMG for taking off of the music that they want. But I don't really see any winners. I only see losers. But I think at the top of the loser pile are the artists. You know, they're being jerked around, uh, uses as an excuse. I don't think UMG has their best interest in heart, even though that's how they're spinning it. I don't think TikTok has their best interest in heart, even though TikTok is saying that like, hey, look at us, we make hits, we provide free promotion. And it is true that TikTok claims that in 2022, it drove the success of 13 of the 14 tracks that hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 that year. And so TikTok is saying, like, we still make a difference in the industry. We can make stars, and that's a way that they can make money. But, like, really, there is no money actually going back towards these artists at the end of the day. Yeah, which is so disappointing because... I feel like the way that TikTok and UMG are writing their statements, pitting creators against artists. And I think it's interesting that TikTok creators are kind of jumping into the conversation. I watched a few TikToks where creators were saying it might be a good thing for UMG to pull their music because they were like, oh, this might help emerging artists go viral when a creator decides to use their music instead of like a Taylor Swift song. And so I did want to ask like, Do you think this battle between UMG and TikTok clears the way for emerging artists to get their shine because the big artists aren't using up that space right now? You know, I'm really skeptical of the whole premise that you hear a song you might like for about 15 seconds as somebody is cleaning their apartment and like washing the dishes and you say, oh, it's kind of catchy. And then you see it a hundred more times. Um, let's use the example of Jungle, because their song Back on 74 really blew up this summer. They're an independent artist. Um, they started their own imprint of an independent record label. And I think it is true that they were playing arena shows this fall. They played at, for example, the Anthem in Washington, D.C., which is about four to 6,000 people. And so maybe by people hearing this song ubiquitously, they went and bought a ticket to that show. You know, Pitchfork actually reported in the last year or so that all of these artists are actually canceling their tours because they're not even going to break even if they go out on the road. Let's say they plot like 20 tour dates across the U.S. over the course of three months. Based on the price of gas and the inflated cost of food and, you know, paying for maybe it's hotel rooms, it's probably just staying on somebody's floor. They're not even breaking even. Even these artists that are big, an artist like Santa Gold or people who have years and years of fans who are willing to go see them, especially after the pandemic, they were saying this thing that people say is how you make money in the industry now, playing dates, going on tour, going to concerts is not making us any money. We're actually losing money on that. So I'm super skeptical of this proposition that like, oh, if you blow up on TikTok, people are going to go see your show and buy your music and that's how you're going to make money. 
I don't really see this playing out very well on the whole. There are a couple exceptions. I'd say like, you know, like Noah Khan was a big breakout last year, mm. you know. I just, I'm super skeptical that this is going to help smaller artists either. I think it's just diminishing returns on all of it. Yeah. It's like there's something missing in translation when people talk about artists going big on TikTok. It's like, yeah, the thing missing in translation is the money because it's going to someone else. And let's take a short break. When we come back, Serena and I will discuss labor issues in the industry and whether this battle could reverse the TikTokification of music today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back. I think that there is some truth to this idea that TikTok has influenced the music industry. You know, Say So, the Doja Cat song. I personally think that that would not have been played on radio without TikTok. And because of that time, so many songs are now written to be like shorter and catchier and danceable so that TikTokers can basically provide free marketing and create <laughs> choreo to those tracks. I mean, I think about the fact that Spotify has a playlist that they run called Viral 50, which is basically them trying to convert TikTok sounds to Spotify plays. And so... Do you think that this kerfuffle between UMG and TikTok, could it possibly sway artists away from producing shorter TikTok perfect songs and instead push them back toward like longer or traditional songs that don't have to worry about marketing or virality? That's an interesting question. I feel like when I hear people talk about the TikTokification of popular music, I hear like Kill Bill sirens in my head. I don't actually know <laughs> if this is as big of a thing as I think it is. So like, for example, everyone was saying this about Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo when it came out. Blood sucker, fame fucker, me dry like a goddamn vampire. And I was like, is Olivia Rodrigo making music for TikTok 
Or is she a fan of Queen and does she like Bohemian Rhapsody? Was Bohemian Rhapsody part of the TikTokification of popular music? I was like, I don't I don't think so. I think she likes yeah. rock operas. I don't know if songs are necessarily getting shorter, and I don't know if that has been a trend for people to attempt to follow. I think people pull out whatever they want from a song. It doesn't matter how long the song is. People right now are rediscovering Laurie Anderson because she's got like a teeny tiny quote from a very old song, I think from the 70s. You know, people will pull something from wherever. I don't think it matters how long the song is. I do hope that this instance on the artist side will make them reckon with the fact that they don't need to write to a platform. And this is something that me as like an independent writer is thinking about too with like kind of the collapse of media and journalism yeah. is like who am i writing for am i writing for the sake of being published by a legacy media company am i writing what i want to write and i hope artists are approaching that too of like am i writing a song because i want it to take off on tiktok and i'm hoping that maybe i'll get a record deal or maybe i'll be on the billboard charts or are they writing because they're like this is what i need to say this is my lived experience you know this is what i'm passionate about so i'm hopeful in that sense that like i think it's healthy to kind of divest from business and and think about like how to approach art from just the sake of expression. And then I would also maybe encourage people to think about paying for music and thinking about their relationships with these tech companies. I'm still dealing with the PTSD of Tumblr kind of getting shaken up in at the end of 2018 when they misguidedly tried to follow FOSTA-SESTA to the extreme. That was a law that was passed in 2018 allegedly to stop sex trafficking. And what happened on Tumblr is they implemented this algorithm that just made no human distinction between what was porn and what was not porn. And porn wasn't even technically the target of that law. It was sex trafficking, but they just kicked off sex workers. It kind of started the process of Tumblr's sort of enchidification, like this idea from like Cory Doctorow of things are just getting worse and worse and worse for stupid reasons. And, you know, reasons related to capital too. And so I do think this is sort of the start of the enchidification of TikTok, which maybe already kicked off with TikTok shop. And just the way that I think what's beautiful and original about a platform will eventually decay. And if you live on the internet long enough, I think you have to start to make your peace with that and decide, what can I preserve? What can I keep with me for a long time? And I think if part of the joy of being on TikTok for you is how you access music, I would say it's important to start building those relationships off-platform. It's important that if you discover Victoria Monet because you hear part mm -hmm. of On My Mama on TikTok, you find out how to be a fan of hers off the platform. You buy her music, you buy a ticket to her show, you buy, you know, a piece of merch. And I think this is a bigger deal outside of just the music industry right now, too. I mean, I think we have gone from considering art as a good that we can buy and that we can own and starting to think of it as a service. It's in the name, streaming service, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or even like Netflix, Apple TV+. And I think there's a real danger in allowing tech people and these C-suite shitheads to, to mm -hmm. be able to say like, I can take away 
this art whenever I want, you know? I can be HBO and pull my own original shows from our streaming platform. I can cancel a completely shot and edited movie just for a tax break, you know? I think if you love music, I would encourage you to buy it. And same with, you know, television shows or DVDs. And I think TikTok can be great because you can find music you wouldn't have found otherwise, but... I think at the end of the day, you know who your favorite artists are. You know, you would be so mad about certain songs and artists not appearing on your Spotify wrapped at the end of the year if you weren't so passionate about them. And I would say, give those people your money. Like, find that subscription you meant to unsubscribe to after your 30-day trial that you've been paying <laughs> 10 bucks a month for for the last three years. Go unsubscribe and take that money and buy an album every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the labor behind this, mm-hmm. right? Because TikTok's statement, on top of being disrespectfully short, they call themselves a, quote, free promotional and discovery vehicle. And I take a little issue with the word free because that kind of discounts the labor that let's say UMG's employees and artists and producers put behind their catalog to provide to TikTok. And I am just curious, like, do you think this battle with UMG and TikTok, does it bring up any bigger conversations about labor in the music industry for you? Like, what labor issues do you think this is pressing on and maybe helping to move forward a little bit? There was actually this kerfuffle a couple years ago when it seemed like RCA had asked its artists to be more proactive about making TikToks to promote their music. And kind of infamously, Halsey took a lot of beef with this directive and and were pretty angry about this. And I do think this idea that the artist always has to be marketing themselves and has to be keeping an eye towards business is a really insidious part of our culture now, in music and out of music. Um, you know, Rebecca Jennings at, at Vox just wrote a great piece about this called Everyone's a Sellout Now, talking about, like, do you have to get a TikTok to try to promote your stuff if you want to be an artist, whether that's an author or a journalist or a musician or, you know, you want to start a candle business? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it's kind of assumed that we will eat the cost of that labor ourselves, whether it's like the mental, emotional cost, whether it's the hours and the money. And it is kind of funny that TikTok is saying, we provide this great service. We give you a place where you can market your stuff for free. (laughs) When there have been a lot of conversations in the music industry, you know, on the music journalist side behind the scenes about how that's really the job of the label is to market their artists. And the fact that it's fallen on the artists themselves to pick up that slack is kind of a failure of the label system right now. Universal Music went public in 2021 and was valued at $54 billion. Are you saying you can't use $1 billion to market your artists so they don't have to be like begging for pennies on TikTok? I found both of these public statements very frustrating, but yeah, the the whole, you know, free marketing of it all also really was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. And I find it interesting how artists themselves are also kind of jumping into the conversation. You know, Money Long had this huge song, Hours and Hours, that definitely helped and benefited from TikTok. And when this happened, when her music got pulled from TikTok, she like posted a TikTok. I'll read the caption she wrote. I mean, it's not like they are refusing to support my music until I prove that it's valuable by investing my own money and possibly lucking up on a hot TikTok trend or anything like that. That's fine. (laughs) And 
what she's also saying is the fact that like when you sign to someone like UMG and you are an artist who's had to pay their own marketing tour outfits, producers, Mm -hmm. studio time, the hope is that, oh, they can take that off my hands. They can put my music in the best places and get it to the most successful place possible. And something like this is basically blocking their success, which I completely understand is super annoying. And then you also have an artist like Tyla, who did indeed win Mm -hmm. a Grammy for her song, Mm -hmm. Water. You know, that is another song that had a whole challenge on TikTok that had like 384 million streams on Spotify. And it's funny, on the Grammys red carpet, someone asked her about this. TikTok got a lot of its music removed, which is making it harder for new artists to promote themselves. What do you think is going to be next in terms of artists promoting their music, if not TikTok? I mean, I feel like TikTok's going to be there for a bit more, but Twitch... I feel like Twitch, Twitch really? I know that it's a gaming app, but Musical.ly on TikTok never used to be what it was, by the way. So Twitch, I feel like that's going to be the next big thing. Is that like an actually productive way to look at this of like, should we be switching platforms? Is there a platform you guess that might be the next TikTok in a way? I'm trying to figure some of this out myself because I'm still trying to find a second home after Twitter. I've migrated Mm. to Blue Sky, but Blue Sky doesn't have the same infrastructure for music fandom and community yet. They don't support video playback right now. And I was looking through my feed and did not see a lot of people discussing the Grammys. But in terms of jumping ship to different platforms, I don't know if that solves the ultimate issue that, you know, Money Long is addressing here too, is like the entire marketing plan shouldn't just be about TikTok. That's TikTok's argument here is that they make and break emerging artists. But UMG's stance should be that, like, we have the power to do that themselves. I wouldn't cede that ground. And actually, you know, I have a couple friends who work in the major labels and work in marketing. And I'm like, give those people more money. Those Mm -hmm. people probably mostly are younger people of color who have great ideas about how to get newer artists in front of the audiences who want to find them. And I don't know that they're getting the support internally that they need because people are saying like, well, let them figure it out on TikTok. And, you know, to draw more parallels to other artistic industries, it's like, this is the same thing going on in book publishing where people are just like, book talk will just do the promotion for us. You know, we don't really have to spend too much money on it. I think another thing that comes to mind is the fact that Hollywood is coming off this historic dual strike with the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. So labor rights are very much on the forefront of this industry, on the forefront of this award season. And so to me, it does not seem far-fetched that the music industry has been looking at this and maybe they've started feeling some aches. They've started to feel like, hey, man, I think we kind of need a shakeup. And I mean, artists are fighting for their masters, making sure they own them from the jump. Do you think that this specific contract with TikTok, whether or not it shakes out, could that maybe be like a deal breaker for an artist who's considering signing with UMG? I mean, for this question is like, could a strike happen? Could UMG be leading that charge? I do think the labels are scared that Taylor Swift has kind of pioneered this idea of owning your own masters because she is making a lot of money from that. And, you know, I also want to give a shout out to Megan Thee Stallion, who Mm -hmm. also just brokered a a new deal that lets her retain the rights to her masters, too. And 
I do think this is scaring the major labels. I do think it's one of those unfortunate things where you don't know a lot about the way the business is run until it's too late and you're already in their grasp. I mean, for instance, like Haley Williams of Paramore just finished her contract that she signed with RCA 20 years ago, like last month. Like she signed that contract as like a 14, 15, 16 year old and she was under it for 20 years. I do hope that people talking about this, um, whether that's Taylor or Megan talking about, you know, owning their masters and being public about what the deal looks like, or this kind of shakeup that is a bit of a wake up call about who owns your music um, and what they can do with it will let artists be a little bit more cautious about how lucrative being under a major label deal actually is. Like the million dollar advance looks really shiny on paper, but then you kind of think like what you were saying earlier is like, okay, but now I have to pay for my costumes out of pocket. I have to pay Mm -hmm. for my recording sessions out of pocket. I have to pay for my promotion out of pocket, all of that. It is actually unfortunate that the actors and the writers of Hollywood kind of scored a bit of a coup because they were allowed to organize under a labor law that doesn't really exist anymore. They were kind of an exception and not the rule. And so freelancers are not really technically supposed to be allowed to, or independent contractor self-employed people are not really allowed to organize under federal labor law, which is nasty business. And, you know, if you have a representative and feel strongly about that, I would encourage that you call them and talk to them. So right now they technically can't form some sort of like SAG or WGA the same way that their peers in Hollywood have. But I mean, there are organizations that are really passionate about this and are trying to figure out what collective action can look like if it's not technically under a union. So for instance, there's a pretty new organization called United Musicians and Allied Workers, literally reading off their website, say that they aim to organize music workers to fight for a more just music industry and to join with other workers and struggle for a better society. So I think that there are people who are interested in what better worker protections can look like and what the collective power of artists can look like up against this industry that holds their careers, their art, their profit above their heads. There's a lot to be cynical about in the music industry right now and the media industry, but stuff like that does give me a lot of hope. And last question, what is your best guess of how TikTokers will fare with this? Like, what will they soundtrack to their Stanley Cup hauls? I I think in the funniest universe, some of these TikTok creators who do have a lot of money behind them, who have sponsorship deals and corporate know-how, maybe they go the way of your music venue and your Starbucks and your H&Ms and they ink their own (laughs) licensing deal with these labels. They're like, I want to play Taylor Swift so badly that I, individual TikTok creator, am going to get up in those UMG DMs and we're going to work this out. (laughs) My mommy blog does not make any sense unless... I can hear a Drake song in the background, you know? Motherhood would mean nothing to me without Drake. (laughs) Okay, that's the show. I want to thank Serena Turos for joining me on today's episode. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. And tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. 
Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online or on iTunes.